You're listening to episode 94. Grace Nation, you've waited an entire week. Get ready for another power-packed episode of Grace on Fire in three, three, two, two, one. Here we go. What's up, Grace Nation? Great to be here with you. Super excited today. I love this song. It's awesome. And hello, Grace Nation, and welcome to the show. My name is the Reverend Dr. Smitty, a.k.a. the Reverend Dr. Jonathan G. Smith, and I am your online pastor. My goal is to raise ambassadors of grace by changing the way evangelicals love LGBTQ plus people and families. And on today's episode, I'm going to start a three-part series explaining what I consider the absolute core values of Grace Nation. Like if you wanted to know what it means to be a member of Grace Nation, to include yourself, I would say you got to have these three core values. These are the values that are saying, let's do this, let's move. This is the very thing that if you were to say, this is Grace Nation, I would say compassion, justice, and love. And thank you so much for listening today. Oh man, I tell you what, I get so excited about listening to that song. It's just sort of a driving song that gets me energetic and fired up to be with you here on this podcast. Getting back into the podcast seat feels good. I'm just going to tell you, it feels really, really good. I don't know what it is. I, I've been looking for my mojo lately. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes you just go through life and all of a sudden you just, you like fall in a hole, bam, right into the hole and you're trying to dig yourself out. That's, that's sort of been me, been through a lot of, um, just some emotional challenges with people. Um, and, and that's always hard. It's always hard when friends and family, um, all of a sudden, you know, you, you enter in conflict with them. And, and Grace Nation, we, we know exactly what that's like, right? Because, you know, if you're a part of Grace Nation, you've had a family conflict or or you've had a conflict inside the church. You know exactly what it means. You cannot talk about um, you cannot talk about human sexuality without entering into conflict. And so um, it, it, I've just had some stuff that's been happening uh, personally and, and professionally. And um, it, it has really drained me. So this morning I got up about, I don't know, I think I was up at 5.15. And um, I just started praying and said, Lord, I, I got to find it. I got to find my mojo. And then all of a sudden I heard that music. And um, man, I'm telling you, it just it just rocked my world. I mean, just awesome, isn't it? All right. Anyways, okay. I'll turn that off. I, wanna, I won't make us go back to it. Anyways, on today, we're going to be looking at the first of the uh, first core values of the three core values of Grace Nation. Oh, by the way, these happen to be the core values of my church, Redeemer Church uh, in Castleberry, Florida, which um, I've been rolling those out uh, to my congregation. And it's just, it's so cool to see how God is blending together Grace Nation and Redeemer Church. And um, I'm very excited about that as the culture of, of Redeemer is just being influenced by the work of Grace Nation and Grace Nation is being influenced by the work of Redeemer. It, it, you know what? I got to tell everybody that's listening to this, my board um, that um, we call it a vestry in the Anglican tribe, um, they have fully embraced this mission. Isn't that exciting? So when you listen to Grace Nation, you are actually um, benefiting from the ministry of Redeemer Church. And uh, I am just honored and thrilled to have a board 
that is backing this work. And so uh, for those of you who are listening uh, from Redeemer, thank you so much for that. Anyways, uh, so today we're going to do what we're going to do is we're going to get into Mark 1. Um, and we're going to be looking at a story that I think is really remarkable. And it's about an incredible healing. And it specifically says in this uh, text that Jesus had compassion. And, um, you know, if you go through the Gospels and you you just study that word compassion, you'll find it pop up. Uh, in several different key places, and um, and so it's a biblical word. It's it is it is also a Christ-like characteristic, and so we're going to get into this. So in part one, I'm going to introduce uh, the story, and then we're going to take a little break, and then in part two, we will we'll come back and uh, finish and wrap this up. So. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, as always, I encourage you to grab your coffee, grab whatever it is that you're doing, grab your steering wheel if you're driving, and let's get ready as we plunge into the depths of the Gospel of Mark here on Grace on Fire. And so on this part one, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at some scripture here this morning. And um, let me just kind of set this up for you. So this occurs right at the beginning of Mark's gospel. And in in Mark 1, Jesus is shown doing some pretty amazing things all in one chapter. He's, he's um, healing people. Uh, he's doing deliverance ministry, casting out demons. Um, he's preaching. Uh, he hasn't even called the disciples that we know of really yet. And um, he is uh, just—he's just within the throes of ministry in Galilee, and um, all of a sudden, in Mark one forty through forty-five, there is the story that ends, and it what it is is the story of a healing of a leper, and the leper here I think is a very important important person in the Gospels because the leper is going to really represent for us. The way that I think LGBT, LGBTQ people have felt in the church, right? We've treated them like lepers. Now, I want to say something very, very specifically as we start this off. And what I want to say is this, that um, I am not drawing a parallel between sexual orientation and leprosy. What I am saying is analogy. What I'm actually going to draw a a parallel is how people treated the leper. Okay? That's what I'm drawing the parallel. So please, um, if you're a gay person um, and you're, you're hearing me talk like this, I am not saying that you are a leper. What I am saying is that the church has treated gay people like lepers, and so what we want to do is we want to see how God views lepers and then take our cue as straight people from God, okay? That's the most important thing. I want to say this very, very carefully, because I think that what happens is is that sometimes, and listen, you know, sometimes, um, and if you're a straight person you're listening to this, I, I want you to say that, you know, the gay people are sensitive because of the way they have been treated, all right? And um, sometimes we are very um, naive to that, and I think that that's wrong. I think that we need to understand that we all have our sensitivities. I mean, Lord knows I have my sensitivities, and, um, and, I, and I don't have time to go into it today, but, you know, I just want to be very careful as I set this up and just give you this sort of disclaimer. Okay, so I'm going to get into the scripture here, and then uh, we're going to enter into this leper story. So in Mark chapter 1, 
all right, verses 40 through 42, we see here this story, and this is what it says, and I'm reading out of the uh, Christian Standard Bible. Then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. Verse 42 says, immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Now, I want to say something really right up front here. That leprosy in the ancient world was an incurable and vile disease. When a person contracted leprosy, it came with a social stigma as well as a religious stigma. In Leviticus, in Leviticus 13, the Mosaic law declared that a leper was unclean. And here's a difficult part about this. To be unclean led to being ostracized by the community. In fact, in Numbers 5, 1 through 3, God commanded Moses to expel the leper from the camp. In Numbers 5, uh, this is what it says in verse 1 of Numbers 5, the Lord instructed Moses, command the Israelites to send away anyone from the camp who is afflicted with a skin disease. Send away both male or female, send them outside the camp so that they will not defile their camps where I dwell among them. Now, right there, I mean, you're like, holy cow, I mean, God is, is, it seems like he is condoning this ostracizing. And the answer is, is that in the holiest, holiness code of the ancient uh, Israelites, all right, on um, the ancient Hebrews, we need to understand that the holiness code was wrapped up in their civil as well as their religious laws. They were all one. And so the holiness code didn't just ostracize lepers. There was, there was all sorts of things that were tied into this. The point here, though, is that um, we are talking about several, um, probably 2,000 years later, maybe a little less, my, my uh, biblical timeline sometimes gets a little messed up there, okay, maybe a 1,000 years less, um, for those of you who are really nitpicky about those towards, uh, types of things. But what I want to say here is that within the Israelite culture, and then moving and developing into Jewish culture, there was this ostracizing of the leper. Now, there are very practical reasons for this, right? Leprosy was a skin disease associated with bacteria infection. At worst, uh, certain forms of leprosy would be eat away at a person's ears and noses. It was a skin disease that was um, incurable. And uh, therefore, you know, you, you, the only thing you could do really without infecting the entire tribe was ostracizing the person. Now, I want to stop here and just create a corollary, right? Sometimes in the church, we straight people, we look at the gay person who shows up and we treat them like lepers, as if there's some risk of contagion. And that's not true. That's totally, totally um, erroneous. But that's what's happened. And that's why I think this story works. Now, again, if you think I'm, this is going to break down, I said right up front that the all analogies break down, so please don't push this too hard. But what I want to just simply point out is that um, there is there is an ostracizing that's taking place, that there is a community, a person is contracted, you know, they fall sick with this illness, and then they are ostracized out of the community. Now, here's what I want to, to point out, okay? The compassion that Jesus has 
on the leper. Now listen to this. Um, the leper's, the leper's um, what I want to call appeal to Jesus is very important here, biblically speaking. Very important. If you'll notice with verse 40 here, he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. He didn't say, you can heal me. He said, you can make me clean. And then verse 41 comes up with that pivot right there that's so important for us. Verse 41, moved with compassion. Now, what was the leper asking this? He wasn't just asking for healing from his skin disease. He was asking for far more. All right? So let's pull back for just a moment. If we can enter into this leper's life, I imagine a man who was going along with his ordinary life. Then one day he notices something on his arm. A spot pops up. At first, he doesn't think anything of it, and he goes about his work. Over time, the spot starts to spread. He tries to cover it up, hoping that it will go away or that nobody would notice, but it doesn't. And soon it spreads to the one place he can't cover up, his face. And then his worst fears become realized. He's contracted leprosy. Knowing what would happen to him, at first, he just tells his friends that it's nothing. Oh, it's nothing. It's not. It, it's, it's, it's a little, little rash. It'll go away. But it's not. In his heart, he knows that it's only a matter of time that the disease just continues to progress until he can't deny it anymore. This man knows what the holiness code is. He knows what will happen. He's perhaps seen it before. And then one day it happens. Suddenly, his closest friends move away from him. Next, his family. And then one day, the unthinkable happens. The leaders of the village demand that he leave, for he is a leper. Doesn't that hit home? I don't know how many stories of LGBTQ people that I've heard that lives have started out like that. Around 12 or 13 years old, sometimes a little older, sometimes it's a little younger, but right around there, all of a sudden they notice something and are not sure what to make out of it. And then, you know, they think and then they pray that and they hope that it'll go away, but it only grows stronger and stronger and stronger. And then one day they they risk telling their friends and say it's nothing, but then word spreads and then all of a sudden people start treating them differently. And then all of a sudden one day they find themselves completely outside of the community. Yeah, that's what's happening here. That's exactly what's happening here. So if we get back to the leper for just a moment, from that point on, his world comes crashing down. He's rejected from his friends. His family keeps a distance from him. He's forced to go live with a complete group of strangers who the only thing that they might have in common is this skin disease. His livelihood is gone and he's forced to live with his condition, alienated from everyone whom he loved everyone he knew, all because of something that happened in his life. And then he hears a story about a healer with unimaginable power. His name is Jesus. And he comes to the region, and in his mind, he's desperate to get out of this leprous hole that he fell into. 
And so he tracks down Jesus and he begs him. He, he you know, that's what he begs him. He says, if you're willing, you make me clean. Jesus sees the man. Knowing the pain he's experienced, knowing the social marginalization and alienation he's endured, knowing the hunger and the suffering he's gone through as a result of people closest to him abandoning him out of the fear of the disease, of catching the disease, this is what he's asking for. He's not just asking for healing. He's asking to be made clean. He's asking to be restored into the community. He's be asking to be restored to the life that he had, restored into fellowship, re- restored into that most important aspect of relationships with one another. And then, and then the Bible is, is radical. And Jesus, Jesus is my favorite. He, he's just awesome. He's so radical because this is what he does. Are you ready? Jesus reaches out his hand. He reaches out his hand and touches him. He touches him. Can you imagine what the disciples were doing for those who started following him? I imagine, this is what I have imagined, that there was a crowd around Jesus and then this leper starts coming in and all of a sudden people pull back quickly because they don't want to catch this disease. And he's contagious, right? So he's walking into this community and he's contagious and all of a sudden people see a leper and they immediately uh, contract away from him except for Jesus. And there's Jesus and the leper and people knowing what Jesus has done already are going to look at this and they're going to wonder what happened. And then everybody's gone and it's just Jesus and the leper. And Jesus touches him. Jesus touches him. This is this is so important because leprosy, like I said, is a bacteria disease that's most likely contracted through contact. And then Jesus does the unthinkable. He touches him. What what that touch must have felt like to be touched, to feel another human being in a loving, compassionate way touch him he hasn't been touched in years suddenly somebody comes to him and touches him doesn't just say jesus doesn't just say be made clean jesus reaches out his hand and touches him to have the warm touch of another person Perhaps the only touch he had experienced up to that point, you know, was was traumatic, you know, punishment, somebody hitting him, trying to keep him away from him. And he does something. This, you know, this is the master doing something socially and religiously unthinkable. Because if you touched a leper, you were made unclean. And as a result of that, Jesus healed him. The relationships that were lost could now be restored. The work and livelihood that he couldn't do were not possible. His spiritual and religious life that he'd been cut off from had been sustained. And Jesus, moved with compassion, transformed this man's life. I mean, that's that's what's so amazing about this. And that's why it's a core value of Grace Nation, because this is what I'm going to say, that Jesus moved with compassion, compassion being the driving force of Jesus, transforms this life of this man. I mean, I think it's remarkable to see how compassion has had such a remarkable impact on people's lives. 
And I think also that's why when a person does not experience compassion, particularly from Christians, it seems to have such a devastating effect on them. Compassion here is what led to the transformation of this leper. And it's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Well, let's get into it a little bit further, but first let's take a break and then I'll be right back with you. Hey, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know that I am passionate about changing the way evangelicals love LGBTQ plus people and families. And I found that the best way to do this is actually through small group sessions, working with people to see uh, LGBTQ people through the lens of the gospel. So if you are interested in working with me, uh, working uh, with your church or small group, uh, then please don't hesitate to reach out. i am developed a comprehensive seminar titled Remission. That's Re-Space Mission. It's not about shifting our outlook, but recovering the love of Christ for LGBTQ plus people. So if you are interested, please don't hesitate to contact me. The best way to do that is through my email, jonathan at mygracenation.com. All right, here we go. So we laid down the theology of compassion, which is what I wanted to do there on that first part of just looking at it. Now the question becomes, are there limits to compassion? What is the cost of compassion? And I think that, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I raise this question here because conservative people, especially conservative straight people, I think that sometimes um, they are, they are, they're guilty of this, you know, they say, well, there's gotta be limits to compassion. I mean, there just has to be right. And, and I don't, you know, and I know where that comes from and I understand what they're saying because there's other factors that, 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 that come into play. But when we look at put, placing limits on compassion, Jesus, you know, Jesus is going to push some, some boundaries with us. And the reason why he's going to push some boundaries with us is because he knows and understands the human tendency to want to limit compassion. And Jesus actually limits compassion here in this part of Scripture. But we got to ask some questions about whether or not he's really limiting it or not. And so I want to get into this and look at the other two verses here and ask the question, how much compassion should I really show? You know, how much compassion should I show to the LGBTQ person? Well, listen to this, okay, as we get into this. So it picks up here in verses 43 through 44, and this is what it says. It says, then he sternly warned him, that is the leper, and sent him away at once, telling him, see that you say nothing to anyone. Obviously, at this point, the leper and Jesus were by themselves, right? See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now, I want to suggest that Jesus' limit on the leper here is instructive for us, okay? 
Why did Jesus tell the leper to say nothing to anyone? I think that one of the things that we have to constantly remember, and this is what's so hard, um, so hard for people, um, particularly those who are really committed to justice, um, particularly committed to social justice, all right? And I am committed to social justice. We'll get into justice next time. But um, one of the things that I think that Jesus uh, does here, and that it's hard, is that he places a limit on compassion, okay? Listen how he does it. See that you don't say, see that you say nothing to anyone, but but go and show yourself to the priest, all right? Jesus is following the custom for a leper being healed that's set out in the Mosaic law, all right? Jesus didn't come to set up a spirit-filled hospital. He didn't come, he didn't come to the world to uh, bring uh, healing to everyone. Well, otherwise, why would he say, don't go tell anyone? And I think that there's a fundamental reason for that. The Gospel of Mark is quite clear that Jesus' mission was to preach the kingdom of God, all right? That was his mission. That was what Jesus came to do. Part of Jesus' work, however, that is how he went about establishing and preaching the kingdom. I I think a, a, a really contemporary way of saying that, and this is the way we say it at Redeemer Church, is this. Um, the way that he demonstrated the kingdom, all right, was through healing. He did this to demonstrate his authority and power, however, as the ambassador of the kingdom. But he did that, he did these demonstrations in works of compassion, naming healing and deliverance from evil spirits. Now, I think that's really important here that we qualify all of this, that his his job that Jesus role the thing that he did was primarily primarily to declare the kingdom of God secondarily to demonstrate his authority through healing okay very important that we understand the primary and the secondary healing was secondary to the primary declaring the kingdom of God okay but we shouldn't drive too much distance between the two of those okay don't do that that's not right all right, we just need to understand order of priority. So that's why he can say, don't go and tell everyone. Well, what happens? He tells everyone. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just spoil it, right? You know, it's, it's interesting to see what Jesus accomplished through this leper. First of all, as I already said, it demonstrated Jesus' authority to do something that was really remarkable. And that was to declare things that were unclean, clean. I imagine that the priest, and this is number two, I imagine that the priest was blown away when this leper came to him. I mean, can you imagine? Here is this leper, and Jesus tells the leper, go to the priest. How many lepers had come to that priest before him? I want to suggest not that many. In fact, I will. I am willing to bet that this priest, because of the skin disease that he had for leprosy, I, I'm just willing to imagine that this priest seldom saw complete healings of lepers. And so this leper walks in and the priest looks at him. And I imagine that the, at first the priest was stunned, completely stunned. What? Wait a minute. Weren't you so-and-so? Didn't you come down with leprosy? The man answers, yes. And you are healed? Yes. Who healed you, Jesus? He made me clean. 
I asked him to make me clean, and he made me clean, and he told me to come back to you, the priest, so that you could see that I was clean in conforming to the law. And I imagine that priest was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, just something has happened to this man. He was transformed. And so what happened here is, is that Jesus broke through two social barriers. Number one, he went to the outcast, the marginalized of, of, the, of that area, okay, of that, uh, of that society. And then because he went to the marginalized person who then turned around and gave testimony to Jesus, he goes back to the aristocracy, the ruling class, the priest, all right, and he goes to them and they're blown away. He gets a testimony from a leper that Jesus healed him. So Jesus is, is working at all levels of society. Now, we need to try to understand this cost, though, that came to Jesus for healing the leper. Now, Jesus' compassion here, remember, Jesus' compassion influenced and informed his decision to heal this leper. But it came at a cost to Jesus. Listen to verse 45. Yet he went out, that is the leper, he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news with the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. Here's what happened. I mean, the leper, he's experienced a dramatic healing and transformation. Christ has saved him. He's changed his life. He's gone to the priest. The priest, in conformity with the Mosaic law, has now restored him and to, his, to his village and to his community. He's now been brought in. And what do you think the leper does? He does what all new, new regenerate people do. You can't keep him quiet. He's been saved. He's been healed. He's been all of those things. And so what is the first thing that he does? He tells everybody. I mean, that's exactly what he says. Yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news with the result. And here it is. Here's the catch. With the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. That was the cost to Jesus. That was the cost. And then it says, but he was out in deserted places, marginalized areas, not into the main areas, but out, all out in the deserted areas. And notice it says they came to him from everywhere. What was the cost to Jesus for healing the leper? The answer is that he could no longer go into towns to do ministry. Now, I want to ask you a question about this, and this is really important. Do you think that it cost Jesus? Yes, it did. Do you think that Jesus knew what the leper was going to do? Well, of course he did. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the God-man. He could read people's minds. He knew the hearts and thoughts of people. That's very clear. He knew what the leper was going to do, yet he told him not to do it, and the leper did it anyways. And the question that I want to bring for us today, did that result in Jesus limiting his compassion? And the answer is no. The answer is no. The cost of compassion to Jesus was great. And that's the point that I want to drive home today. It was the cost of compassion for Jesus that we can even be saved. You know, John 3.16 says this, God loved the world in this way, that he sent his only son. 
that's what it says. God loved the world in this way that he sent his only son. And what did that only son do? He died. Compassionate informs the gospel. The gospel starts with compassion. And there's no limits on it. And that's why I always think it's remarkable to me that when when Christians want to put limits on compassion, and I understand why, again, they're thinking in the natural world, they're thinking, you know, in terms of economics sometimes and what is, um, you know, uh, feasible. But we have to understand something that God, that the gospel, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus was the ultimate expression of compassion for the world. God loved the world. And so I think that that's where we look at this story and we can look at it just from two points of view. One, we can learn about Jesus' concern for the sick, but we can also learn about it from the the concern for marginalized people. We can look at it from a concern for even the priesthood. All levels of society are being affected here, and they're being affected through Christ's compassion. And that's why it's so important to me that we understand and, and, and realize the cost of compassion, but to understand that just because there is a cost of compassion doesn't mean that we shy away from it. And I know that that is difficult, very difficult. And I don't have all the answers of how to do that, by the way, but I do know that even though there is a cost and even though we don't fully understand how to pay for it all sometimes, that doesn't mean that we withdraw our compassion. So what is the cost of compassion at least from my point of view, to love LGBTQ plus people in the church? And the answer is this. Unfortunately, in our present cultural context, if you say that, if you say like I do, love LGBTQ plus people, then automatically, at least in Orlando where I live, because love wins, hashtag love wins, has been a very um, loud statement in our city. Um, you, if you say that from the, the pulpit of a church, then people automatically associate you with being liberal. However, on the other hand, if you hold to a biblical interpretation on human sexuality, that is, is that God limits, limits sexuality to the binary of male and female, all right? The sexual expression between the binary of male and female, that, it, that it's limited there into that relationship, then you're labeled a hater, somehow are misguided and so there's a no win in our culture which is precisely why we have to lead with compassion we lead with compassion because you can't win all right and so we don't win who cares it's not about winning or losing it's about showing the love of christ to people and i want to suggest that the gospel teaches us both it teaches us to be compassionate to lead with love, and it also teaches us to hold to the creation standards that God has given. And and we need to understand that we'll never, in this side of the world, fully unpack all of that. But that doesn't mean that because we don't understand it or because it's hard that we shouldn't do it. God has called us to be a people of compassion. You know, I've heard gay people say, I don't want your sympathy. And I understand that. I do. Sometimes when um, we, we use the word compassion, we sometimes equate it with sympathy. And it's not about sympathy here. It's about compassion. It's just having a heart and a love for people. 
It's not trying to sympathize, although empathy is something that I think is very important relating into marginalization. But as I've said very often uh, uh, on the show that straight people have a very difficult time understanding, sympathizing, or even empathizing with queer people. We, we, we don't understand what it's like. But that does not mean that we can't be compassionate. Sometimes it just says compassion is, let me put my arm around you and just love on you. Just as Jesus touched the leper. And so, and, and just sort of a closing comment. I want to say that compassion flows out of their view, of our view of God. And that's why it's a core value. It's why it's a core value that I have. Because I think it's so important to realize that when we can demonstrate compassion, compassion leads to transformation. And the tra- type of transformation that we're, we're talking about on this show is seeing people love God, love their neighbors, and most importantly, love themselves. And that brings us to the end of this show. And as always, I like to close the show out with this benediction. And so here we go. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. on fire a verb creative production for show notes links and more please visit mygracenation.com